Well, uh, a big year for Open Doors Canada. They have released for the 30th year their World Watch list. And last year I had a chance to speak with Reverend Gary Stagg, who's the executive director of Open Doors Canada. And we talked about the list and why it's important for us to know what's happening in the world. But sometimes those can just be numbers. And we don't really know what's going on and how we can pray for our brothers and sisters who are facing such intense persecution. So I'm so excited for our guest today, Ilya Jadi. How are you doing today? Yes, I'm very well, and thank you for having me on your show, on your program. Oh, I am honored. I mean, you are a published writer, a radio journalist, a researcher. Uh, you have so much, you know, knowledge. So I'm really excited to dive into this conversation with you. My pleasure. So I want to talk a little bit about the sub-Saharan Africa uh, issues that are happening right now. It is at all-time high, the persecution that uh, our Christian siblings are facing, and sometimes it's hard to understand why. So I'm curious to know, what are the um, some of the main drivers of Christian persecution in sub-Saharan Africa? Thank you very much. Um, there are a number of drivers, but the key one and uh, the most important is uh, radical Islam. Mm. Radical Islam is uh, now gaining uh, ground, expanding, and is uh, has become the main driver of Christian persecution uh, because of the presence of active uh, Islamist uh, group. The narrative, the rationale behind their action is this Islamist uh, ideology. They clearly said they want to establish a caliphate, so which means an Islamic republic, which will be ruled by the Islamic law, the Sharia. And because of that, so they will attack uh, uh, Christians, Christians because they are non-Muslims. So that's why um, uh, uh, they have Christians beca- have become the main uh, target. In addition to that, we have also observed and noticed um, a sharp increase in terms of intolerance Mm. because, again, of the Islamic uh, ideology, because the Islamic theology. There's a kind of Islamic revival across the region in sub-Saharan Africa. So, because, generally speaking, the Islam practice there is very tolerant. But this one is new, the Mm. new theology, the new Islamic revival, developing a narrative, anti-Christian narrative, very intolerant. At that point, people, neighbors, uh, who used to be with Christians, now they have changed their attitude. And we can see the way, uh, whether on media, whether um, the way they speak or, or see or think, things have changed. There's an increase of religious intolerance. That's the two key drivers. Um, uh, uh, around behind this increase of uh, religious persecution, among others. Hmm. Um, also, too, I know we often will hear about in the sub-Saharan Africa area that there is a lot of um, political and economic things going on. How does that climate in, uh, impact Christian persecution? Well, the, the political one first, it depends on the response because it's the responsibility of the state, central state, to protect all, including religious minority. But in some cases, we can see that um, the government failed to do that. And that's the case in Nigeria. So impunity from the government uh, opened doors or is fueling this uh, religious persecution, this violence against uh, Christians. The other thing is uh, the widespread poverty, which is making people very vulnerable. 
and Christian living in rural areas. They are in rural, remote areas, isolated. So they have become an easy prey hmm. for persecution, for attack. And because they are poor, they are facing also economic pressure, economic persecution. Man, it's just... When you think about what's going on um, in this area, it's just truly, truly devastating. These are families. These are our Christians. They are our brothers. They are our sisters. Moving forward, do you see any sort of relief for them? Or do you feel that this is going to continue to go down a road where they will be either sent out of their country or they will continue to be killed? Well, sent out of the country, I don't think so. Um, in some cases, many were forced have uh, to to flee mm-hmm. to survive to f- to flee the the, the violence uh, and because of that they have become internally displaced people okay. so fleeing regions affected by Islamist insurgency by violence to more safe or secure areas so generally speaking in a country like Burkina Faso um, from north to the central or down south. Northern Burkina Faso has been emptied from there's no Christian presence there. And this is true also in Eastern Burkina Faso. It's true in Central Mali, for example. So when the violence, the level of violence is high, people are forced, Christians are forced to flee to for safety. Some are forced to cross the border and become refugees. So we have this kind of scenario. And more recently, we have seen others who are not able to flee for different reasons. So they are living in territories under the control of jihadists, under the control of these terrorists. The churches sometimes are closed, or the terrorists will impose very strict rules to them. So you may go to church, we have to separate women and men will not mix, or there's no music. So all sorts of restrictions in the way they will practice their religion, the way they will live in daily basis. In some cases, they may ask men to have a beard or to cut off their trousers. Women may have to wear veils. At that point now, if you go across the region, in the Sahel region, in sub-Saharan Africa, you will see the dressing code, the way people, women particularly are dressing has changed. Hmm. People are wearing veil in sub-Saharan Africa, which is totally new. It's not part of our culture, the way people, women, will dress up in that region. It's very new. It's really hard to comprehend the the levels of control that are happening on all the people that live there, especially the Christians. I had no idea that there are areas now in countries that there were no Christians identified in that region. This is, uh, yeah, it's, it's rather shocking, and it makes you wonder, here in Canada, what can we do to help them? What can we do to support them? Well, the first thing is to be aware, uh, to ask, to get to know, to be informed, because it's part of first be informed and then to say, what should I do? Uh, because people living there, um, sometimes they feel that they are alone, or is uh, when we consider the level of the crisis in the Sahel region, or the attack violence happening in northern Nigeria, or whether in eastern DRC Congo, so we can see it's just like this is a forgotten crisis. It's a, a huge. It's a, the violence has created a huge humanitarian catastrophe. Thousands, if not millions, of people displaced across internally, but also externally, in Burkina Faso alone. There are 2 million people internally displaced. So 
the feeling is that here, this is a forgotten crisis. The Sahel region has become the new epicenter of Islamist insurgency, of jihadism, but it's not getting the same attention, the same level of attention we have seen elsewhere deployed by the international community in Middle East uh, with this international coalition, or whether in uh, Afghanistan, or now with this crisis, uh, uh, this Russian and uh, Ukraine crisis, all the focus, all the attention has now displaced or shifted to Ukraine, but not Africa. How many people are killed? How many thousands, millions displaced? It's not getting the same attention. So if you are a Christian, if you are a listener in Canada, more needs to be done in Africa. More needs to be done to provide support to the people affected in terms of relief material first, but also to fight against the root causes of this crisis. I would say one of them is poverty to support the local churches, to support local communities so that they can become strong, resilient, and resist the pressure and this persecution. Okay, so we can help them in a very tangible way with finances, teaming up with local organizations. Uh, you can also go to opendoorscanada.org forward slash world watch list to learn more about the different areas in the world that are being impacted where our Christians um, are being persecuted. And it's, you know, again, I just thank you so much, Ilya, for um, shedding some light on what's been happening in sub-Saharan Africa. Because like you said, we've been hearing about all the other places especially Russia and Ukraine, but not about what's happening there, not about the displacement. And, you know, obviously, when you take a look at some of the things going on, there's political things, there's oil things, but this is religious-based, this is faith-based. So um, we really need to come around our brothers and sisters, especially here, to support them. Yeah, this is, uh, is, uh, is true. We should think of, we should pray for them, we should say, this is happening to human beings. The lives of Christians in Africa matter. The life of Africans matter. Uh, they are human beings. They deserve a better life. They deserve to live. They only want to live in peace, but it's not the case. So let's think of them, pray for them, continue to pray for peace, continue to pray for protection, and also do all what we, we can. Uh, every little helps, like is said. If you can uh, make a donation to trusted, well-known organizations like Open Doors, because we know for sure this help or protection or support will will reach the really needed people. But also put pressure on the government so that they can put at their level more pressure on the countries, on the government to provide the really needed protection, because it's the primary responsibility of our government, of countries, to provide protection to all, and including the persecuted ones. Mm-hmm. Couldn't have said it better myself. Ilya Jadi, thank you so, so, so much for spending some time with us today to share what's been going on here. Thank you. It's my pleasure for paying attention and for helping us to provide to, uh, this, uh, to send this message.